DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Red and the blue every Friday. We already talked to Kyle Gunther. Time now to talk to the former Cougar. Get the blue perspective. We're joined now by Brian Keel. And Brian is on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Brian, good morning. Morning, fellas. How you doing? Good. So you've had the agony of a loss to the Utes. You've had the joy of a dramatic win over Tennessee. <laughs> what is the one word that captures what you're feeling as USC approaches? <laughs> this is like a, a repeat of last year. Other Utah game well, was the first game of the season instead of the last game of the season. Fantastic win over Wisconsin. Got all our hopes up and our dreams and our aspirations. Um, went over to see this fantastic Tennessee. Um, but it's still a great win. Still, they have athletes that, that we don't have, and it was at their place in front of a lot of people. And our team, you know, responded. They they um, they fought, battled back for beyond sixty minutes. Um, it was it was it will be wins for Kalani and for our program. Um, in terms of recruiting, there's a lot of kids that I'm sure saw that game that didn't really know who BYU was and, and um, you know, them now and, you know, who knows? Maybe it helps us get some kids we wouldn't have got otherwise. Got to do it again tomorrow. Um, Got to, you know, USC looks good, so. So you take a look at this schedule that BYU has now that they're an independent and it looks like it's what it's going to be for the foreseeable future when they're being independent is they're going to play these Power 5 teams. The bigger-name programs are going to be earlier in the season, and then obviously the things uh, get a little easier as the season progresses as those other teams get into conference play. And you're a realistic guy in your expectations, Brian. So with that in mind, just take the chunk of the early season schedule whether it's four or five games, whatever it might be, that they play the bigger name competition. With that in mind, what is your expectation as you look at the whole? Very excited looking at the schedule, you know, all off season, And I think a lot of BYU fans, were especially the home schedule, I mean, it's probably BYU's best home schedule they've ever had. Um, and as I, as I looked at that schedule, I just, you know, if we could win those first six games are all, um, you know, mostly legit teams um, and good teams, all teams that have beat us and can beat us. Um, and then, like you said, the second six games are, are, are games we really should win. Um, so I look at those first six games and basically for me, it was like if we could win half of those and just go 500 through that stretch and then win out, you know, we're sitting at nine and three and that's a, that's a great season for me, given our schedule. If we could go nine and three, um, you know, I think that's kind of the breaking point. I think anything less than nine wins, I think eight wins is just kind of ho-hum. Um, nine wins is a good season. 10 wins would be a fantastic season. And obviously, you know, up from there. So that's, that's kind of my, how I look at it. Um, and I, you know, so right now we're one and one, um, so we're we're doing good. <laughs> if like I said, if we could win, you know, if we could win three of these first six games, uh, that's that's a win for me in my in my opinion. And I I don't want to speak for anybody else. That's just Brian. 
You know, it's easy to uh, watch a football game and just break down quarterbacks and offense, and USC's quarterback was awesome, and they are throwing the ball all over the field against Stanford the last three quarters. But if you look at USC's defense, uh, Fresno State ran for a couple hundred yards. Stanford, with a backup quarterback, got a couple of quick touchdowns. Now SC, you know, shut them down over the course of the game, but even then not completely. I mean, they, they had to settle for four field goals. They missed a couple of them. You look at that defense, what do you see that SC does right? What do you see that they do wrong? And how can BYU move the ball on these guys? So I, um, I, was, I was hoping to see more of the Stanford-USC game, and I saw some of it. Um, but, you know, we were, ended up being busy, so I wasn't able to really sit and watch it. Um, and so I, don't, I didn't really get to get a chance to see details. I, kinda, I followed the score and noticed that, yeah, Stanford was up big early, and then – you know, USC just steamrolled back and just kind of poured it on the, the offense. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, you know, going into the game, uh, you know, hopefully we can have a game plan put together where, where we can consistently score points and slow down. You know, it looks like they've got this, this, real, this hot freshman quarterback um, throwing it all around. Um, so hopefully we can put together a game plan that slows that down and then also just build on what we've done, especially in over those two overtime periods with our offense, um, just a balanced attack, run, throw the ball, be creative and, and um, you know, and have a, have a good game plan. I think I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can, I think we can do it. You played at a time BYU was prospering. Did you ever remember going into a game against a big name team and being an underdog? Um, a good question um no i i mean uh, as i look back you know in the years that we were good i mean the only yeah i guess the only time was that my sophomore year i wasn't a starter yet but um my sophomore year was 2005 um i played and i rotated in and played on defense and um we went out and played notre dame um brady quinn notre dame and they were they were you know pretty good at the time. I think they went to a BCS bowl that year. Um, but that it was the week it was actually it was actually the week after we played them the week after that that big USC Notre Dame game with the bat liner Reggie Bush push. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So um and uh they kinda got robbed well not kinda they they, they got robbed a little bit <laughs> on that one. Um and uh but they were a good program and yeah we were we were I, I don't remember what how much but we were definitely heavy underdogs in that game. Because I'm just wondering, what is the mindset when you're an underdog against a big name program? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I always looked at it, uh, and it's different. So it's different now as a as a alumnus slash fan watching than it was as a player, and that's why it's like different for me with expectations versus hope. And um, as a player, where I had you know control over not the whole team, but obviously over my role and influence over the other, the rest of the team. Um, you know, I went into every game expecting to win. And the, uh, the same thing in the NFL and played on good teams and bad teams. And, um, you know, I was both ends of the spectrum there. And But, you know, every single game I expected to win. And and I, don't, I can't imagine approaching it any other way. I, it, it was just so foreign to me if, if I literally came into a game expecting to lose. Um, and so I hope you know, I hope the kids have that same expectation in the locker room right now. Um, every single game, you know, you you should prepare, plan, practice, and expect to win. And obviously, you're not going to win every game. Nobody does. 
um, throughout the course of a career. Sometimes you might have an undefeated season, but, um, but you, you know, you realize that that's not going to happen, but that doesn't change your preparation. That doesn't change your practice, you know, your film study. And yeah, you should expect to win every single game And these kids in, in the locker room right now, that that should be their thing today. They should expect to win tomorrow and expect to beat Washington next week and on and on and on. So I can't remember the pace of your career and, you know, kids go on missions and they redshirt and I lose track so in 04, were you a freshman who just played a little bit? I I was fortunately I was gone. Oh, you <laughs> were o- gone. Okay. I couldn't remember. <laughs> because o- that, o- well, and that o- Yeah, that it's team. good years to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> they were the best years to be gone. <laughs> yeah. That team played Notre Dame, Stanford, and USC all in a row to open the season. So that would have been kind yep. of a comparison to what this club is going through. But then your yep. uh, your junior season, when you were playing full-time, you say you expect to win every game. But we've been talking here about how it seems like, and PK went and dug up the numbers, you know, over uh, – you know, the course of Lavelle's career through Croton, Mendenhall, and now into the Sataki eras here, it seems like BYU is going to win 30 to 40% of the games they play against teams in Power Fives. That's historically where they've been. And, uh, you know, you you see some of these teams that are, are – they're pretty good teams, but they open up uh, with a lot – you open up with a loss at Arizona, a couple weeks later you lose in double overtime at BC, and you pretty much beat everybody else – including Oregon in a bowl game. So really is what the team doing now, what the team did historically, or when you're in the middle of it playing, do you not see all that and not feel that? Yeah, I mean, so in 06, my junior year, though, so that's the Arizona-Boston College. Yep. Um, I, I honestly think um, it, was, it was those early games. It's just one of those things where I think if we play those teams at the end of the season – where we we kind of realized how good we were, uh, it's a different outcome. Um, you know, you look at the end of the season, and we played we played Oregon in the this is 06. We played Oregon in the the Vegas Bowl. Oregon led the Pac-12 in in offense, had the best offense in the Pac-12 or Pac-10 back then. But they had the best offense. Um, you know, they had an NFL running back, Dennis Dixon at quarterback, um, and on and on and on. Um, and we we. We were a hail mary away from shutting them out on on defense. I mean, we just we absolutely just swarmed them. Their offense. This is their number one Pac-10 offense. We absolutely shut them down, and um, and our our offense scored 36 points. Any, anyway, my so I look at I look back and and that, that Arizona loss and that Boston College loss loss they still haunt me to this day, and it it's just so frustrating that we lost those games. Um, I think you are onto something. You know, the, historically BYU. You know, they you know, they've they've lost more than they've won against the, the P5 schools, and I think that would change if we could ever luck our way into a Power Five conference and then and have ourselves Power Five talent. I think that would change. Um, in, until that happens, you know, will those will that those statistics that you just cited will they ever change? Probably not. Um, it would be a great feat if we consistently beat power five teams without power five talent. So, you know, it is one of those things that is what it is. You look at Tyson Williams and it looks like, yeah, obviously we know the story of him coming in as a grad transfer. And it looks like he is going to be a real good player for these guys. And I wanted to ask you as far as 
coming into BYU, being not of the faith. Now, you, you have the unusual distinction. You're a minority, but you were of the faith. So for you, the standards were easy to live. Do you think that BYU should pursue these guys more so? And, and then with, if they have interest in coming, how difficult is it for them to be able to assimilate themselves into the football team, the school, and the community? So there's a, there's a lot of angles there, um, a lot of factors. Um, and and I, it's hard for me to – actually, I guess I can do the role in reverse. So it's, I was going to say it's hard for me to know what it's like for them coming to BYU, but, you know, I kind of know what it's like because I, I was taken out of my element when I went into the Giants locker room coming, coming from BYU. And so I was kind of a fish out of water you know, in a sense, uh, the odd man out. And it, yeah, it is, you do kind of feel alienated a little bit and alone and, uh, by yourself. And I'm sure those guys do. I will say, um, especially, you know, being, being, um, non LDS coming to BYU, you know, it's definitely going to be different. You're, you're going to be in the, in the vast majority and, um, kind of feel like you're by yourself, but the, the community does do a pretty good job. I think, of of befriending people and being kind there are you know people obviously on campus who are who are dorks and um you know might be judgmental or critical but i'd say most of the kids and most of the people in in bru are very welcoming and very very open arms the other thing too um you kind of uh you kind of put up on a pedestal especially being a minority too and at byu that's like i don't know what is it 90 percent white um, and it's both good and bad. Like, you know, it's, it's bad because everybody notices you. Um, and then it's good because everybody notices you. So it's, it's kind of, you know, you, it's kind of like a two-edged sword. Um, people know you, people remember, remember you, people seek you out. People want to be, be by you. People want to be around you. They want to talk to you. And so that can, can be good. Um, the girls are usually pretty friendly and, you know, I'm, I, you know, I say this with a grin on my face. Most of the guys, um, that come, they, 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 uh, they're happy about that, but, um, you're, you're definitely under the microscope and, and you definitely like, if, if you just kind of were the type of guy that wanted to blend in and not be noticed, then yeah, it's going to be tough. Cause that's not going to happen. Brian kill BYU linebacker joining us here. Um, you know, you're not a defensive coordinator, but you play one on the radio. Uh, what would you like to see? What would you like to see your Cougars do? And I think if you were one of the players, what would you want to do? Would you want to sit back, keep the game in front of you, and all that stuff, not give up big plays, or would you like to be aggressive, go get the quarterback? No, you might get burned some for some big plays, but you might make some too. What's the best plan? Man, honestly, I think I I I like a balanced mix of pressure and coverage, and um, I. I would like to see us pressure more. Um, that's what I say as the armchair defensive coordinator, not the guy in the meetings, not the guy breaking down film and game planning for the opponents and knowing, you know, really detailed what our, what our abilities and strengths are. But that being said, you know, I watch, you watch football and um, quarterbacks that sit, sit back there and have time most usually they find somebody open and they get the ball to them and they move the ball. And on the flip side, quarterbacks that are pestered, that are, that are hounded, that are pushed off their spot, that are harassed, that are hit, that are knocked down. Um, they tend to struggle and they get up and they wince and they, you know, they, 
they they are thinking about it and the clock in their head starts to go off and they get happy feet and um i just yeah i think you you, you want to pressure um you gotta you gotta hold up in coverage in order to do it but yeah i would like to see his pressure more and i i think it, it leads to good things so is that coming through blitzing yeah so it's you know it's it's yeah so it's blitzing it's rushing it's rushing more than three and four and we rush three and four a lot and when you rush three and four you can put pressure on the quarterback but it's really hard you have to have really good dudes in order to put pressure on the quarterback with only three and four and so you know you have to bring five and you know sometimes six and in the right situations you bring seven and um we don't do a lot of that Um, other teams do more of it and i i would like to see us do more of it but you know that's why i'm not getting paid the big bucks to make those decisions (laughs) i just talked about it with you guys on the radio so what do i do a fine job at that brian (laughs) thank you so I'm curious if, uh, you know, times change and, you know, time keeps going and, and things change over the decades and all that. When you were playing, did you feel like when you saw a freshman quarterback, especially a kid who was straight out of high school, not somebody who redshirted, did you feel like we can definitely I – got, I got some veteran savvy. I can confuse this guy and I can make him make a bad play. And is that as true or – some combination of kids get savvy to coverage because of video games and they get more reps and seven-on-seven camps and quarterbacks all have uh, these personal coaches, so their offseason is far more productive than it used to be. Can you just not do that to some freshman quarterbacks the way you used to? So, yeah, so it, I have been absolutely just flabbergasted at the progression of of that position, the quarterback position, and the early progression. You know, these kids are coming out of high school now, and you look across the country, you look at some of these true, like you said, true freshmen, not even redshirt, but true freshman quarterbacks that come in and just play lights-out football. You look at, you know, uh, Lawrence, the kid for Clemson last year, just kind of a man among boys. Um, And you look locally, you look at what Zach Wilson did for us last year, and and then now you look at this kid from USC, um, and it's everything that you just said. You know, the, the progression that they're getting from what you had even just 10 years ago, but especially 20 and 30 years ago, with all those the extra, extra camps, extra reps, extra coaching, um, extra technology. You know, these kids are having film study sessions on their iPads and breaking down coverages and film and blitzes, all sorts of stuff that they just didn't have available. 10, 20, 30 years ago. And so it's exactly right. These kids are way more prepared, and that's why you're seeing them have success that hasn't been seen in the past. But, you know, the, the truth is still the truth. They're still young and experienced. The speed of the game is different. The talent is different. And so, yeah, if I'm on the team and I'm a veteran and I'm seeing this freshman, I'm, I got, you know, the taste of blood, and I'm going to get after him and try to rattle him. And, and the, the younger kids, they're still going to be prone to making mistakes that you learn through experience and um like you know zach who i think is phenomenal um he's made young mistakes and um that I, he's you know this year and last year he's made mistakes that i don't think he'll make next year and the year after that um so yeah so you can still get after him and you can still do, do those things but the kids are they're miles ahead of where they were even when i was playing at BYU. Well, Brian, as always, we appreciate it and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow if that's possible, or maybe you'll just be stressed out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't get uh, – yeah, I'll enjoy it. I don't really get stressed, but I do, I, do, um, I, do, I do have angst, so I hope we win, but I'll enjoy it either way. Win, lose, draw, I'll enjoy it. It's a fun – you know, that stadium and the atmosphere will be fun. 
It's a fine line. No stress, but plenty of angst. A very fine line. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Thanks, guys. See you.